Acts 28 and verse 23. I'm going to read that and I want to pray over the word as we receive it this morning. It says, after arranging a day with him, Paul, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. And you will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. And Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you open our eyes to the wonders of it today. Incline our ear to what you would say. Uh, unite our heart and our desires in your presence today. And I thank you that you and you alone satisfy our soul. Holy Spirit, I pray that you translate uh, my remarks to the heart of every hearer so that they can be edified just as they have need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is the last sermon in our Acts series. And if I counted right, we, this would be number 32. That's a few. Um, and so I thought the best way to end that would be to go through each of the other 31 and get a point out and go back over it. So 31 points this morning. I, no, I'm just joking. I, I don't even know if I could handle, if I could handle that. Uh, but, but it has been such a blessing for me to walk through this. And of course, we've been also going through it in our Bible studies on Wednesday nights, uh, a, a verse at a time, a little bit at a time, looking at uh, the genealogy, the history of the church. And so for the last three, th this being the third week, just looking at some overarching uh, themes here as we finish in Acts 28. Obviously, we talked about how Paul arrived in Rome and he was a little bit discouraged because of everything that he had been through. But he saw the brethren, he saw the body of Christ there already. And he thanked God and he took courage. Amen. And then last week when he told them, this is the reason why I'm here. And this is the reason why I'm restrained. This is the reason why I have this chain on me is for the hope of Israel. And so this week, as we come to the conclusion of the book of Acts, as I was looking over it, I was like, well, honestly, it doesn't end like I would want it to end. Just my first instinct, my first thought, it doesn't end like I would want it to end. It's not the ending that we want. And you can remember some of the tension that's been building as we've been going through this story, particularly over the last eight chapters. Paul uh, saved, transformed, 
dramatically from someone who hated Jesus to now one who is going as a missionary and preaching Jesus as the true hope of your soul and your only hope in life and in death, going and setting up churches in different places. He had on his heart to go back to Jerusalem. And when he went to Jerusalem, his very presence there caused a riot amongst the people that didn't like him. Remember, they wanted to kill him when he arrived back into Jerusalem. And the riot was so massive that they arrested Paul because he was obviously the catalyst for the whole thing. And he ends up with the mayor and the mayor's like, what have you done, you know, to cause this? And his accusers come and they present their case. And Paul's like, I haven't done anything. You know, I'll argue that all day long. And the mayor's like, I don't know what has happened here. I don't know how to resolve this. I'm going to send him to the governor. And he goes to the governor and people are still trying to kill him, still trying to riot around him. And the governor's like, I don't understand this. I don't know how this has happened. I don't hold anything against you. I want to send you back to Jerusalem. And what does Paul say? Don't send me back there. That's where they want to kill me. There's some guys that took that curse oath. You remember the curse oath? They took a curse oath, said they wouldn't eat again until they killed me. I don't really think I want to go back there. But as a Roman citizen, I want to appeal to Caesar. Caesar over everything. He said, I want to go to Rome and appeal to Caesar. I want to have my case heard there. Now, this is a pretty good narrative story building up here. And on his way there, he gets shipwrecked. He's, he's uh Stuck on the island of Malta for the winter and he finally ends up in Rome. And so this is this should be th this big ultimate conclusion to the story. Right. I mean, because a lot is going on. He's going to he's going to appear before Caesar, his per his prosecutors, those who are, have a case against him are supposed to show up and plead their part of the case. And the death penalty is on the line. This is a tense situation for Paul, we want to know. We want to know if he stood before Caesar. We want to know what the result was. We want to know what happened. We want to know if his accusers actually showed up or if they didn't. We want to know, was he killed or was he set free or did he stay imprisoned? And we don't get any of that as the book of Acts concludes. You could say it's a cliffhanger, right? Because it ends with, without telling us the answer, without resolving that part of the plot, or as Caleb called it when he first watched, I think it was Avengers, Avengers Infinity War. I said, did you like it? He said, it was a hoof clanger. <laughs> it was a hoof clanger, daddy. I was like, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. But we want to know how it ends, and we don't get that. When we read the last chapter of the book of Acts, we get this account instead that when he arrives there, he meets with uh, the Jewish brothers, and he tells them, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm wearing this chain. It's for the hope of Israel. I want to meet with y'all. I want to tell y'all about Jesus. And he does that. He meets with them, and some of them are persuaded. Some of them aren't. We've seen that all the way through the book of Acts when the gospel goes forth. Some repent and some resist. And then he quotes Isaiah and then it says he, for two years he was in his own rent house there preaching and teaching to everyone who would come and visit him. And the gospel went forth, uh, the, the, the message of the kingdom went forth unhindered and with boldness. And that's how the book of Acts ends. And so I, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, well, did, you know, did Luke just do a bad job? Was he not paying attention? This would never make it on Netflix. This would never get a season drawn up with it, right? Because it doesn't have that big ending that people are going to be talking about. If you did watch this, if it was a show and you got to the end of it, you'd be Googling, when does season two come out? 
because I want to know what happened here. I want to know the answer to this. And obviously church stories or, or church history fills in some gaps for us, lets us know a little bit, uh, hey, here's what probably happened, answers some of our curiosities there. And, and we'll obviously cover that when we get to that point in Bible study, which even though we're finishing our Sunday morning series on Acts, we'll be continuing in Acts on Wednesday night. So I don't think we're just going to jump off of that. We're going to be right back in there when we begin uh, back in August. But even though this isn't the ending that we might want, again, satisfying our curiosities, what happened? What happened to these? What happened to these brothers? What happened in these stories? I'm invested in this now. Even though this isn't maybe the ending that we want, I want to lay before you today that I believe it is the ending that we need. And, and I want to show you that I believe the Lord has showed it to me. So looking again at verse 30 and 31, the last two verses there of the book of Acts, it says, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And so with this being our ending, to unlock this ending and to understand it, we need to go all the way back to chapter one. We need to go back to the beginning of the book of Acts and, and remind ourselves to whom was the book of Acts written? Who did he write it to? He wrote it to Theophilus. Remember, he, he says that there at the beginning, Theophilus, the same as the book of Luke. Uh, it was written as the second volume to the book of Luke. And that name Theophilus translations of it mainly mean child loved by God or one loved by God. And I want to read there in just the first of the book of Acts. You can turn there with me if you want to, or I, I, you can just listen to me read it. Acts chapter one, it says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he says at the beginning there to Theophilus, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and began to teach. I wrote to you about it, all that he began to do and teach. And I looked up that word. You know, I like to look up the words every once in a while. I'll just focus in on one. And that word began means more than just started. It does mean started, but it means more than just started. When I looked it up, uh, the, the Greek word has a fuller translation that actually means to be chief to lead and to rule. He said, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do, that he was chief of, that he led, and that he ruled over. And I love that it says began. That it started, it's not finished. 
It started and it didn't stop, I should say. It didn't quit. Jesus set in place and into motion something that was currently happening. It wasn't a past description. Okay, So all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And then it says, after he suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So it takes us back to the Easter story, right? Jesus crucified. When it says suffered, he was crucified, died, was buried in the tomb, and then rose again on that Sunday morning rose again from the dead, appeared to his disciples through many convincing proofs. What, that it was him and that he was alive. And what did he do? He began speaking to them about the kingdom, teaching and calling by name the kingdom. So when we look back to Acts chapter one, we see Jesus set something in motion or lit a fire that is still in motion not only at the end of the book of Acts, obviously it was when he writes it here, all of these things have already happened. He's writing about it like it is present tense, even though this part was in the past. The act is still carrying on. The kingdom, the kingdom of God are all things being returned to him. Kingdom, king's dominion, where the king rules and reigns. Amen. We've talked about kingdom before. He rules and reigns. And it says he did this until he was taken up, till he ascended to the right hand of the Father Almighty. And so they had a question there. We have a question there. What happens now? You're not going to be here. You've, you've begun this. You've started this. You're leaving. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to the kingdom? What's going to happen to us? And they even ask him, they say, is this, does it happen now when you restore the kingdom to Israel? And he's like, here's what I want you to be concerned about. Go to Jerusalem and wait until the promise of the Father. And then you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. What they didn't realize is he was telling them that they were going to be his apostles of the kingdom, his delegates, his messengers to take the message that they had received from him about the kingdom, empowered by the Holy Spirit to their first, their community, the outlying areas and to the ends of the earth and the spirit would bond and glue them together and also empower them to take this message, this kingdom, this rulership of Jesus Christ from there to the ends of the earth. So again, we look back at the end of Acts, which you probably marked it, which would have been smarter. When we look back at the end of Acts, both in verse 23 after arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging from dawn to dusk. He expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. And then verse 30, Paul stayed a whole two years in his own rented house, welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without 
hindrance. And, and one thing I will tell you, I, I got a little nerdy on that and just tried to, I said, I don't remember it saying regularly in there that Paul was teaching and preaching about the kingdom specifically. And it, it, it doesn't say that most of the places in the book of Acts where he's going and declaring and preaching, it doesn't use that language, but he uses this specifically twice here at the end of chapter 28. He's speaking about the kingdom. And again, we want the story to end because in our mind, that's what stories do. We, we want that conclusion to find out what, what happened. I know Kelly, if Kelly was in here, she could tell you her favorite type of movies are at the end, after all the events have happened, after everything has taken place, at the end that it jumps forward in the future and shows you what happened next. And her absolute favorite is when the couple gets together at the end of the movie and then it jumps ahead and shows that they got married and they had kids and they have this little house and it's her absolute favorite when it does that. Show me what happened. I was meeting, had lunch with a gentleman uh, just this week and he was telling me about a movie he had watched um, and, and he said it has it, it ends like my favorite movies end where uh, it's going through and it was a story about a bunch of young men who ran track at a school that was just uh, filled with poverty but they had success right and so at the end of the movie it does the thing where it'll show a still shot of the one boy and go Manuel went on to run track at the University of or you know or whatever you know this one here's what happened to him is you think the end of the sandlot you know here's what happened to this guy and it cuts to the next here's what happened to this guy we love the end of the story. We love the conclusion. We love for everything to be wrapped up either by that text on the screen or the narrator's voice. Tell me what happened. And, and we want to know things like what happened to Peter the last time we saw Peter. He got released from prison by an angel and got out and escaped. And we don't hear from him again. What happened to James, the brother of Jesus? What happened to Barnabas, the son of encouragement? Right. Where's he at? Last time we saw him, he was hitting the road as a missionary going out. Uh, with John Mark. What happened to him? What about Timothy? Timothy, who was walking with Paul. Titus, what's happening to these guys? And what happens to Paul? How does, how does their story end? We want to know these things. That's not what we get in this ending. That's not what we get in this ending of the book of Acts. And I believe that what is being said without being said is that it's not about them. This is not a story about them. This isn't their story. They were in it, but it's not their story. It's not about them. It's a story about his kingdom advancing from here, from an upper room with just over 100 people in it to now over the years it's carried to where there's already the brethren present in Rome when Paul gets there. There's already believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the way of Christ when he gets there. The story while they're in it, and hey, thank God for them. However Paul found his end, which we have our curiosities, we don't have a firm answer on it, but however Paul found his end, he had an end. We do know that. Acts doesn't end with the end of his story. Acts is bookended at the front and at the end with the kingdom. First and last, all that Jesus began to do and to teach, and he set forth the, the mandate on the apostles before he ascended, and then here all the way in Rome. What, what do we see? We see that the message of the kingdom is still going forth in boldness and without hindrance. 
that all he began to do and teach is still being proclaimed and still being taught. Thank God for Paul, for his willingness and his obedience once Christ invaded his life to follow through terrible, diff, terribly difficult circumstances. I know Luke, who's writing this, loved him uh, more than we could probably know because of what they went through together. But it's not about him. It's not about Peter. It's not about James, uh, the brother of John. It's not about James, the brother of Jesus. It's not about John. Th thank God for them. It's not about them. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. It's him. It's his kingdom. It wasn't about them. It was just their turn. It was just their turn to carry the message. It was their turn to expand the kingdom here on this earth. It, it wasn't about them. It was just their turn. It's about his kingdom and his spirit that, again, bonds us together, glues us together, and empowers us to be his witnesses, his truth tellers in the earth. For them in Jerusalem, in Judea, all Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth where we live now, right? And the message still going forth now to the ends of the earth. What message? Jesus told them, you're going to go and you're going to preach repentance for forgiveness of sins that will be proclaimed in my name, in the Messiah's name. That's at the end of Luke. It's his commission to them. You're going to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins in my name. It's about him. It's his story and his kingdom. And that's why we, we, we say that life is never more miserable than when you make it all about you. Life is never more miserable than when you make it all about you. And the reason why is because it's not all about you. It's about him. It's about him, his kingdom. He's the king. We're not a little king. We're not a little queen. We are in his kingdom. Amen. It's so important that he began the book with this and he ended with it and he didn't, it wasn't done lightly. It wasn't done. Obviously it's, it's, it's inspired. It was done with great importance to begin and end with the kingdom witness going forth to the ends of the earth with boldness and without hindrance. I love that, without hindrance, because it reminds me that you cannot stop the gospel of the kingdom from going forth. You can't. They've tried. They fed them to lions. They, they tried to exterminate them. They tried to kill all of them. And the gospel still expanded. The kingdom still went forth. It's a terrible business model. And it still worked. You take this and preach it, you might get killed. Like you just mean that. No, killed violently, terribly, suffer a lot. Here's what might happen there. All right, I'm going anyway. Well, the, there's not riches in it, right? You're going out to carry the kingdom and to suffer for his name. Sign me up. And so many over the years have taken the gospel to very dangerous and treacherous places and see miraculous things happen. And again, it's not, it, it's not the world's business model. It's not what, what should work, but by God, it does work. And it goes forth without hindrance. They can't stop it. Matter of fact, the more you try to stop it, the further it goes, right? They stoned Stephen earlier in the first half of the book of Acts. What happened? The gospel went out everywhere. 
People said, we're not staying right here in town. They're stoning people here. We're going to go to the next town. We're going to go over here. And not to hide, but to keep preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You cannot stop it. You cannot hinder it. You try and it goes even farther. The kingdom supersedes anything else that you could identify with. It has the top. It sits at the top. And so this, this is really big, broad thing. And I'm, I'm running out of time and I'm learning that, you know, you're supposed to end a sermon with an application point. How can I take this, this big, broad thing? It's amazing. Hey, it is amazing. See, you showed us it started with the kingdom and it ends with the kingdom. That's really big. What do I do after lunch? What do I do with that when I leave? What does it have to do with me? Well, he left us in his writing of this another key to unlock that piece for us. Right here at the, right here at the end in verses 26 and 27 when he quotes the prophet Isaiah, right? Because he's, he's telling them about the kingdom and, he said, and some of them believed and some of them didn't. And he said, the Lord spoke rightly about you when he said this through the prophet Isaiah. And he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they've shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. And what he's quoting there, again, the prophet Isaiah, it's in Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah was a prophet of God or a messenger of God in what we call the Old Testament. 800 plus years before this would have happened in the book of Acts, that Paul would have said that to uh, the Jews in Rome before he's there and meeting with people at his house. But yet he quotes this piece. I don't want to turn there because I don't have time to, to fully break apart Isaiah chapter six, but I will tell you a little bit about it. In Isaiah chapter six, and if you've been in church very long, if you know any passages in Isaiah, you may know this one. Um, it begins with Isaiah saying, in the year that King Uzziah died, I had a vision. And I saw the Lord high and lifted up, enthroned above everything. And his train, the hem of his robe, filled the temple. And you can, when you hear that, you, you need to hear completely victorious, defeated everybody else. Nobody can stand against him. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The, the Lord's court, the court of heaven, he sees it in a vision. And he's like, there's angels flying around and, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the, is the Lord God of heaven. Heaven's armies and Isaiah flips out because he's in this throne room and he knows and says out of his own mouth, woe is to me because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people who are unclean. I'm undone. In other words, I'm about to die because here I am in the presence of this holy, eternal, victorious God and I am not worthy to be here. And then he says, an angel flies down with a coal. Again, this is in his vision. It flies down with a coal and touches it to his lips and says, you have been cleansed of your iniquity and your sins have been forgiven. Then he hears the Lord speaking out and the Lord says, who, who, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah doesn't even hear where he's going. And he says, I'll go. Send me. I'll go. 
send me. And this is what the Lord tells him to tell the people after he says, go, I need somebody to go. He says, I'll go, send me. This, these lines that Paul quotes here at the end of Acts 28 that Luke records for us, this is what the Lord replied when Isaiah said, I'll go. And then Isaiah asked him a question. He said, you know, implying, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to tell him that. Until when do you want me to tell him that? And he goes over the next couple of verses, a description that basically says, until the end. Until the end. Until the streets are desolate, until the city has burned, until everything is gone, until the people are carried away. Because there was going to be a captivity. They were going to be going to Babylon because they had rejected the Lord, right? This has happened in Isaiah, happened in the Old Testament, the history of the Israelites. But he says, I need somebody to go. And he says, I'll go. Send me, I'll go. Here's what I want you to tell them. Okay, Lord, uh, until when do you want me to tell them that? He says, until the end. Until there's nobody left to tell. Until it's all over. Here's what I want you to tell them until the end. And so we see Isaiah tracking through this and we see Paul quote this. And so here's our here's our application. Here's what I see in it for us an encouragement for us today. I mean, goodness, because we're at the whole book of Acts and then jumping back into Isaiah 800 years even before that. It's a lot. Here's what we take away, because we've been a lot like Isaiah. Right. When we've seen the Lord, when we've experienced him, when we've gotten close to his kingdom, we have that feeling on the inside of us like Isaiah had. that I'm not supposed to be here. He is holy and righteous. And even though I want to be in his presence, I am a man unclean and I don't deserve to be here. And then just like with Isaiah in this vision, we receive cleansing from our iniquity. We receive forgiveness of our sins, us through Christ Jesus. And what did Isaiah do in that vision to uh, deserve to be cleansed? Nothing. Just standing there saying, I don't deserve to be here. And then he was cleansed of his iniquities, forgiven of his sins. And then he heard the Lord saying, who will go for me? Who can I send to tell the people? Who will be my messenger? And he didn't even have any more details. And he said, I'll go. Send me. And we feel that we're compelled on the inside to speak about, to carry forth the hope that we've found. It may not look like a three point sermon, but we feel the need to communicate the hope that's on the inside of us because it's changed us and it will change others. And so we, we feel that and when we see the message like we see it in the book of Acts. And so then the question is, until when, Lord? Until when? And his response to us would be the same as it was to Isaiah until the end. Until the end. You carry the message until the end. And that's what Acts is telling us as it, as it concludes with the kingdom going forward. This is all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And he told his, his disciples who would be his apostles sent out, authorized by, by the king of the kingdom to carry the same message, empowered by the Holy Spirit, bonded together in it so that they would endure everything and all things. It carried through the whole book of Acts. And what they would have heard 
when they read this in the first century would have been the gospel. The good news of the kingdom is going to the ends of the earth. Rome would have been the ends of the earth. It would seem like very, 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 very far away. Very far away. It was going to the ends of the earth and it never stopped. Thank God, because we get to sit here under that banner today. Because it kept going. Because somebody said, I'll go. I'll go. I'll carry the message of the kingdom. I'll go. Until when? Until the end. Until it's all over. And so just like it wasn't about them, but it was just their turn, same thing for us. It's not about us. But it's our turn. It's our turn. We're the ones alive today. It's our turn. We're the ones right here, right now. It is our turn to trouble the darkness. To carry the light of the kingdom. To carry the gospel of wholeness into broken places. And the kingdom is still expanding. It's just our turn. It's just our turn. And just like Paul could have retired in, in, in the city of Antioch, he could have said, you know what? I've planted a bunch of churches. I've been a lot of places. I've seen a lot of things. been troubled a lot. I'm going to just shut it down. The spirit on the inside of him would not let him do that. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And they said, Paul, we, we can see by the, I mean, we're prophets. We, we see on into what's going to happen. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound and probably die. He's like, you think I don't already know this? Stop troubling me. Stop making me cry. Basically what he said, stop making me cry about this. I've already told you I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Why? Because he's like, it's not about me. This, the message of the kingdom is going to continue to go forth. So while it's not about us, we can find some people to relate to. And this is where I'll finish up. We can find some people to relate to in the book of Acts, right? You may be like Peter, who, who's kind of been around Jesus, enjoyed time around Jesus, not really getting everything right, <laughs> kind of learning a little bit, needed to grow in maturity, that you're about to step into a time of ministry like you hadn't seen before that you're going to grow up. Peter went from being, you know, a little bit of a goofus, right? A little bit. To standing up. He went from being afraid to talk to people about Jesus because of all the persecution to standing up on the day of Pentecost with the other, with, with the other disciples and declaring the kingdom. And not just declaring the kingdom, but also the guilt that was on the people for rejecting the kingdom, right? Some people are like, Paul, they've just hated Jesus. I mean, just absolutely like, why are you so stoked against him? Like, what did he do to you? They just hate him. But God can take that and turn it around. God can take that and shine light into the darkest of hearts. He was religious, but he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He didn't want to give over control of his life. And when he did, he wrote about all the joy that he experienced in doing that. You know, maybe we're a lot more like the Gentiles, right? We're a lot more like Cornelius, where we know there's a God, but we just don't know anything other than that. 
We know there's a God and we know we're supposed to be nice to people and do good things, but I just don't know anything else other than that and I just need somebody to tell me about it. I just need somebody to tell me about it. Same thing with Lydia, woman of influence, woman of uh, sustenance. She, she could take care of business, but she needed to be brought in to the kingdom. And then right after that, we saw the slave girl who had been abused, misused, and tormented by darkness. And she was called out of that. There is no cookie cutter definition for the people that are ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. They just have to be people and they have to be alive. That's it. That's the target audience. That is the target audience to take the message of the kingdom to. So again, just like Isaiah, the Lord, the Lord continues to put before us who will go. Who will go? The kingdom's still expanding. Who's going to go? And then we say, it's our turn. It's our turn. Thank you for letting us know how, how this all went. Thank you for encouraging us in this. Thank you for showing us that you are faithful through all generations. It's our turn. It's our turn by the power of the Holy Spirit and the unity of the brethren to take the kingdom forth to the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Acts. And thank you for the treasure trove that it has been for our hearts and our souls over these many weeks. Lord, that we would see that it all begins and ends with your kingdom. We get to live in your world another day. It all begins and ends with your kingdom. And thank you so much for inviting us into it. Lord, however we got here, if we came in like Peter, Paul, Lydia, however, you brought us in. You brought us in. And I thank you that we will continue to cling to the first call of the church, which is to take the message of the kingdom to the world to take the message of the kingdom to the world. God, that's intimidating when we hear it. And that sounds really big. And it should. It's a big thing. We know we can't do that without you. You lead us. You guide us. You empower us from within and from without to do what you've called us to do. And I thank you that it begins right where we are. Right where we are the areas of influence that you have put us in. To be a light in a dark place. To be a light in a dark place. And I thank you that you'll bless that work and that we won't grow weary in doing good. But we'll see the harvest come in if we don't lose heart that we get our satisfaction, our fulfillment, our joy comes from you. And so we can keep putting seed out, even if we hadn't seen e even the, the, the first piece of green come up out of that earth. We can keep putting it out. We can keep sowing kindness, love in the name of Jesus so that your kingdom will go forth with boldness and without hindrance in Jesus name. Lord, as we, go to, as we go out of here today, I thank you that we go in peace and unity together with one another. Protect us, keep us safe, Lord. All those who are away from us uh, traveling, I thank you that you bring them safely back to us. Refresh them where they 
are, what they're doing, I thank you, Lord, they will receive all the benefits of that in Jesus' name. Those that are out from among us working, I thank you that they'll do so in your name and to your glory, and there'll be a benefit to those that are around them. Lord, those that are weak in their body, we pray your healing upon them, that the spirit on the inside of them will strengthen them, even during physical weakness. I thank you that you give us everything that we need because you love us so much. And Lord, you've called us to follow you. Thank you that just like in the book of Acts, you've not called us to do it alone, but you've given us many brothers and sisters from which we can thank you for and take courage. And Lord, I thank you that you will embolden us to trouble the darkness. Trouble the darkness instead of being troubled by it. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.